Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a two-week Christmas series, where in week one, we'll look at the response of the shepherds, and in week two, we'll look more deeply into the gift of peace that Jesus Christ brings. Thanks for joining us. Well, good evening again. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you to Cherry Hills. We really are thankful that you've carved out an hour of your Christmas Eve to, uh, to be with us to celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So informal poll as we get going tonight. Um, how many of you will go home this evening and you will open up presents tonight as a family? Christmas Eve present openers? Yeah, a few. How many um, Christmas Day present openers? Yeah, more Christmas Day than Christmas Eve. Guys, let me ask you, how many of you are still shopping today? <laughs> yeah, a couple, a couple. Uh, ladies, how many of you were still wrapping presents today? Yeah, that was our house. That was our house. Kids, if you're in the room, I need your attention for just a, a couple minutes. I want to ask you a few questions. Um, how many of you went outside today to play in the snow, a white Christmas? Yeah. Good times. How many of you, so kids, how many of you are going to have a hard time sleeping tonight? <laughs> Few? Yeah. One more, kids, one more. How many of you are going to struggle at home opening presents because you have to wait for your family to go around and everybody opens a gift before it gets back to you? <laughs> oh, it's painful. Painful. I, I know it. I know it. I know it. Hey, everybody here, um, how many of you would use the word peace to describe your Christmas season or the state you're in right now? Yeah, there's two of you. <laughs> two. Um, come back at six, we're going to have you teach, okay? So come see me. Come see me after the service. Yeah, so peace is this buzzword at Christmas. You get it on all the cards, peace on earth. Everybody's supposed to have peace. But let's be honest, all we've got to do is look around. And it looks anything but peaceful. I mean, you've got traffic jams and shopping lines, rushing to get the perfect gift, preparing food for the dinner, getting your house clean for everybody to come over. Let's just expand that beyond our family and our homes. I mean, we've got North Korea. We've got ISIS. We've got domestic terrorism. We have racism plaguing our country. What in the world is the peace that God promises us? So peace by definition, according to the Bible, is a state of wholeness or completeness. Wholeness or completeness. Sometimes you've heard this greeting shared many times by Jewish people. Shalom. Shalom. It means wholeness or completeness. And it does include the end of strife and warfare. But when we look around, it looks like one of two things, right? It either looks like Jesus failed at being the Prince of Peace, or God's promises aren't true. So where is this peace, and what is this peace? And so to look at what the Bible has to say about that, I want to look at the same section of Scripture we looked at last Sunday. It's in the Gospel of Luke. If you brought your Bibles with you, you can open to the Gospel of Luke. We'll also have it on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, we have black Bibles in the seat rack in front of you. And if you are a guest here, you can have one of those. We'd love everybody to have a copy of God's Word. And Luke chapter 2 can be found on page 832 of those Bibles if you want to follow along. Like I said, we're going to put it on the screen. But P 
pieces even mentioned in this well-known piece of scripture that we read every Christmas. So let's read this together on the screen. Would we read it full voice? It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. We're told this baby was born to bring peace. And so this evening, I want to talk with you about three ways that Jesus brought peace. And then I want to extend three invitations that accompany those three ways of peace. And my prayer is that today when we leave, we will have a greater imagination for what this peace is that Jesus brought, and we might be able to live in such a way that we apply this peace to our lives. So that if I asked again, how many of you would describe Christmas as a season of peace? Oh, I would love to see more hands go up once we understand what this peace of Christmas means. And so first, the, the first way Jesus brought peace at Christmas was he brought peace with God. He brought peace with God. God's plan has always been peace. To restore what was lost in the garden. To restore the perfect relationship with his people. Where there was no sin and no death. A world of peace. Earlier, Sam used these words to describe our situation. These are beautiful words. The peace of Eden was shattered like glass. The bond between God and his people severed. Love was replaced by fear, communion with hiding, innocence with shame. All that was complete and whole is now poisoned. And so just to level the playing field here tonight so somebody doesn't feel worse than somebody else, the Bible clearly states that all of us have sinned. We have all gone our own way. We have all been or currently are separated from God because that's what sin does to us. It separates us from God. In, in some scriptures, it even describes us as enemies of God. And Jesus came to bring peace. He, he came to die for a world of outsiders as the Lamb of God who takes away their sin. But this Jesus, this Jesus, the Prince of Peace, his crown was made of thorns his throne was a cross, his acclamation was mockery, and his triumph was a crucifixion. This rescue mission all began at his birth and the announcement of the angels. And that's what I want to dig into for just a couple minutes here. I, I read a lot this past week of Jewish culture and context and what these verses meant and, and how early Jewish believers would have read them. And it's amazing. I mean, things just start to pop when we can understand context, and it shows us how amazing the Bible is. And so first, the angel appeared to shepherds. This is extraordinary in its own right. 
Shepherds were some of the lowest people in society. I love how Jeff said this last week. Another pastor here said, shepherds were the people you wouldn't want your daughters to marry. They, they were low-class society. And this is obvious, but shepherds took care of sheep and lambs. They took care of sheep and lambs, and many of the lambs they raised would go on to be used as sacrifices according to Jewish customs and laws. Second, the angel used specific words to describe this baby. He said he will be the savior, meaning that he would forgive the sins of the people. He called him Christ, the chosen one, the anointed one, the deliverer and the rescuer. And he called him the Lord, identifying him as God. Jesus is God. This baby was different. And third, and this is where it starts to get fascinating. The angel told the shepherds to find the baby in a particular place, near Bethlehem, in a manger, in an animal stable, the place where lambs are kept. But this baby would not be covered in wool, but wrapped in swaddling cloth. And what we need to know is these, these swaddling claws are not just random pieces of fabric. A better translation would actually be to call them swaddling bands. And what they were is they were bands of fabric of linen that were five inches wide by 18 feet long. And shepherds would use these all the time to wrap up lambs when they were born. If a lamb was born perfect, and it might go on to be a Passover lamb, the shepherds would wrap a lamb in these swaddling bands to keep it from injuring itself shortly after birth, because lambs would thrash around and hurt themselves. So they would take these swaddling bands and wrap up perfect lambs so they wouldn't hurt themselves. The word for this type of swaddling band was also used to describe burial cloth. In fact, the same strips that pr protected a newborn lamb were the ones used to prepare a body for burial. It's also widely believed that Jesus wasn't born in a country stable with a fresh fallen uh, snow, like many of our pictures represent, but he was probably born in a cave that was used as a stable. But one writer said this, many of the caves around Bethlehem were burial caves and stables. And in these burial caves, in the walls, they would store burial claws or swaddling bands. And because Jesus was born in a stable cave, Mary and Joseph had to make use of that which was most readily available, which was a burial cloth. Friends, on the first day of Jesus' earthly life, he was wrapped up like a Passover lamb and laid in a cave. And on the last day of his life, he would be wrapped in the same type of cloth and laid in a similar cave. And what we see is in his birth and in his death, we find these parallels reminding us that Jesus is the Passover lamb, born to die for us so that we could have peace with God. The bad news is that we all fall short of God's glory. We have all sinned and we all need a savior. And the good news is that God sent Jesus to restore the broken relationship with him and give us peace. This baby's coming was to accomplish and establish peace between the God of all creation and his image bearers who had rejected him. So let me extend an invitation to you. Let me ask you this evening, are you at peace with God? 
Have you ever said, I am tired of going my own way. I'm tired of being the Lord of my own life. I'm sick of this. This is not what I thought life was going to be like. I'm tired of it. I wish I could have a fresh start. This Christmas, you can have peace with God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, it means surrendering your life to him. It means turning from your own sin and your own little kingdom and turning to Jesus and believing what he accomplished on the cross and in his resurrection and letting him be the leader and Lord of your life. I am convinced, I'm convinced that the reason many people don't have peace with God is because they don't believe they're at war with God. We don't believe we're separated from him. Think of it like this. This is kind of a funny illustration, but I read it this week and it stuck. And, and I, I feel like I should share it with you because I, it's, it, it's memorable. So think of it like a Christmas gift, right? If you have a full head of hair and you open a gift tomorrow morning and you pull out a box of Rogaine, you're going to smile and say, thanks for that. And then you're going to just stick it back in the box because you don't need it. If you lack peace today, it's because some of you have decided you don't need God. And if you're not following Jesus, I pray, my prayer for you is you don't just stuff this news back in the box, but you would consider what it means that Jesus came to bring peace with God. God's desire is that everybody would be at peace with him. It's our desire to see everybody at peace with God. One pastor says, we're more sinful and flawed than we ever dared imagine. And we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. I invite you to have peace with God this Christmas. First and foremost, Jesus came to bring peace with God. And that is what it means when the angel said, peace on those to whom his favor rests. So Jesus came to bring us peace with God. He also came to bring us the peace of God. Number two, the peace of God. And this is for followers of Jesus. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, again, I'm so thankful you're here. And I encourage you to listen in because this can be yours as well. But this peace is only promised to those who follow Jesus because you first have to have peace with God before you can experience the peace of God. And what this means is in this crazy, messed up world, you can have peace and wholeness and a deep-rooted joy in the midst of the mess. The Prince of Peace doesn't, doesn't promise perfection. I'm not talking about a carefree life and a perfect life, but he does promise he will always be with us, and we don't have to, we don't have to give in to fear and anxiety and turmoil. I want to share a scripture with you that I pray every morning. It's found in the book of Philippians in the New Testament, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It's on the screen. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus here, you can't manufacture this peace on your own. You need to ask for it. But when you ask for it, he gives it. It's a promise 
he keeps. But you can't have the peace of verse 7 without the prayer of verse 6. We need to ask for it. But what I do so many times is I don't ask for it. I try to fix it, and I charge ahead, and I try to manufacture peace, and it never comes. Man, even last Christmas, last Christmas was a bad Christmas on a lot of different levels for my family. And as I reflected on that this week, God brought across the ticker of my mind this phrase, you never asked me for peace. I think I prayed and asked for a lot of things. I just never asked him for peace. And it was not a peaceful Christmas. We can't manufacture it. We have to ask for it, but he always gives it. And so let me extend an invitation to you tonight. Do you need to ask for this peace? Do you need to ask for it? Name it. He will meet you where you are and he will give it. So the peace at Christmas is peace with God. It's the peace of God. And three, it's peace with others. It's peace with others. Because of this peace of God, we can enjoy peace with one another. It's this vertical peace extends to a horizontal peace with other people. And as followers of Jesus, our goal is to become more and more like Jesus. If you're new here, our vision at Cherry Hills is to become followers of Jesus who are hungry, humble, and hospitable. And if we want to look like Jesus, then we are to be peacemakers. Jesus commands that in the Gospel of Matthew. We're to embody peace in our relationships. And right now, you're sitting there saying, but you don't know what somebody's done to me. And please hear me say this. I'm not talking about running out and establishing relationships with those who have hurt you. There needs to be healthy and clear boundaries. But if there is a relationship in your life that has gotten sideways, how can you practice peace this Christmas? Maybe it's forgiving instead of resenting. Maybe it's talking to someone you usually ignore. Maybe it's saying, I'm sorry first. I tell my boys this all the time. I have a 12-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 2-year-old. I tell them this all the time. You're only responsible for you. The Bible says that if it's possible, as far as it depends with you, be at peace with everyone. And so let me, let me get on my Christmas soapbox for 10 seconds here. Man, our world would be a different place if everyone who claimed to follow Jesus actually lived more like Jesus. And I include myself in that statement. But our world would be different. We would see more of God's peace on earth, and the world would see that we follow Jesus by how we love other people. All right, I'll get down off my soapbox. But let me invite you. If you find yourself in a situation this week where you walk into a room, and there is someone that you have gotten sideways with, or that person comes into your house and it's a broken relationship. Or you may not even see the person, but there's just a weight on your shoulders because the relationship is not right. Where do you need to practice peace with others this Christmas? The peace of Christmas is peace with God. It's the peace of God. And it's peace with others. That's why Jesus came. That's why he came. 
It was a crisp, clear morning in 1914, and thousands of British, Belgian, and French soldiers put down their rifles, they stepped out of their trenches, and they spent Christmas mingling with their German enemies along the Western Front. In a hundred years, people have said it was a Christmas miracle, a rare moment of peace in a war that would go on to eventually claim 15 million lives. And I want to share with you words from two British soldiers in that war that were there that night. The first one says, it was a beautiful moonlit night, frost on the ground, white everywhere. First the Germans would sing one of their carols and then we would sing ours until German officer Walter Kirchhoff, a tenor with the Berlin Opera, crawled out of a trench and sang Silent Night in German and then in English. The shooting had stopped, and in that silence, he sang, and the British knew the song, and they sang back. German soldiers emerged from their trenches, calling out, Merry Christmas in English. English soldiers would respond with the same words, Merry Christmas. And then Germans made some signs that said, you know shoot, we know shoot. And throughout the day on Christmas, it's reported, they exchanged Christmas gifts with one another. Another soldier wrote home and said this. This has to be the understatement of World War I. He said, I thought to myself, well, this is really a most extraordinary thing. Two nations, both singing the same carol in the middle of a war. It was peace come to earth. This is an example of the power of song the power of Christ, and the power of peace. Jesus came to bring peace. Jesus' desire is that everyone here in this room, you are not here by mistake today, that everyone in this room would know him and experience his peace. So we're going to close our services, as is our tradition, by singing Silent Night. And we still love to light candles to represent that Jesus is the light of the world and we are the light of the world in him. So we're going to practice this tonight. And here's what I want to do. A lot of years, we, we wait for the candles to be lit and we're just waiting and we're not sure what to do. Here's what I want to ask of you tonight for just a couple minutes. Would you ask the Lord what peace you need this Christmas? Do you need peace with God? Do you need to get right with God? Do you have this anxiety that seems overwhelming? Do you need the peace of God? Or is there some relationship in your life, in your family, where you need peace with others? And I wanna ask that you would tell God that and he will give you courage and boldness to make that right. So our team's gonna come down front now and we're gonna begin lighting candles. We wanna give you the gift of a few minutes to talk to God in this busy, busy season where tonight's gonna get busy and tomorrow's even busier. Would you take just a couple minutes and talk to God as we light our candles?